1: Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change, it's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. And that's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. I have an outstanding interview coming up for you this evening on The Seeker Podcast with remote viewer Edward Reardon. I alluded to it last week, I covered some of his stuff on last week's episode as we were talking about some of the QAnon stuff, AI, what is the possible future of it, you know, and that's what I think is wonderful, is that his content and this discussion fits so perfectly with what I've been talking about, what I've been trying to build and showcase through this platform, and through with Ray Davis and I have been trying to build with SixSenseMedia.net is... There's more to just the 6 o'clock news. And what I've been saying since I started covering remote viewing stuff, the potential we have with that is that we can use remote viewing data, not as the end-all, be-all, not as taking the word of a prophet, the word as gospel. We can use it as a, a, a form of data in our greater collection of information that we have. It's a piece to the puzzle. And Edward brings... I think a very big piece to that puzzle now. He'll tell you take it with a grain of salt because it is remote viewing data and it's an unverifiable target at this point. But when you bring other data sets in, I think he's got some some powerful information as we're trying to understand our reality, our possible future, how AI fits into that and the impact it could have on humanity, which I've covered extensively on this show looking at What's happening in front of us right now, what we can verify, the words of, of Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil at, at Google. And last week we talked about what Elon Musk's goals were with Neuralink and the merging with uh, you know, the human mind, with the cloud, and ultimately with AI. And then going back, looking at the Gnostics and what they were talking about with uh, aeons and aeonic copies and different levels of reality. It's wild stuff, and it's all connected, and I'm so excited to share this with all of you this evening, so typically I know I go through and I, I I share some stories and some things that are going on in the news that are of interest and that are relevant. I'm bypassing that tonight because I want to get right to Edwards and, and my discussion talking about his remote viewing session focused on QAnon. Now he's blind to that target. He, which going in blind means he doesn't know what he's viewing. He's literally asked. Do you want to do? Do you want to do a remote viewing session? If he says yes, his tasker will give him numbers. All he has are the target coordinates, and he goes to work. So it's a fascinating journey, and his videos are out there um, on his YouTube channel. I think he said he has over two hundred videos that are out there right now. He'll say it in the interview. Um, so check him out, Edward Reardon, on on YouTube as well. R I O R. D A N. Uh, and I'll have the links in the show notes as well. And I uh, just want to give my quick commercial. Check us out the works of uh, Ray Davis at the Affirmation Spot um, and the author of Anunnaki Awakening. You can find his books and you can find his affirmations, a lot of free content through sixcentsmedia.net. And you can get my free ebook, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. Sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human. Sign up. You'll get free access to the Seeker newsletter that comes out every Sunday as well. Lots of great content, SixthSenseMedia.net. All right, there's my commercial, my friends. Again, I'm skipping the news this week. I hope you can forgive me for that, but I think you'll appreciate why I'm doing that. It's well worth it. I want to go right on and uh, and bring on Edward and talk about his uh, remote viewing experience and remote viewing QAnon. So without further ado, let's get to Edward. Okay, my friends, I am here with Edward Reardon. He's on the line tonight. As I mentioned last week, he had been remote viewing QAnon. He has a, a fantastically fascinating YouTube page where he shares his journey into remote viewing, the process, the analysis, uh, and the data he's recovering in a whole variety of targets. I'm excited to talk to him this evening. Edward, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me onto your show, and thank you for the interest.
1: It's it's my pleasure. It, like I said uh, prior to us getting on the air, it, it definitely hits uh, a lot of high notes for me and things that I've been exploring through my writing and and my show. So let, let's get into it. You know, you're a remote viewer, and and the first obvious question is, how did you get into remote viewing? Let's go back a little bit.
2: Oh, we'll we'll go back uh, to. Uh, 1996, there was a television show on the Discovery Channel called The Real X-Files, and um, they had uh, the first documentary about remote viewing. This was about a year after it had uh, um, gone public, and then Jeff uh, Jim Schnabel uh, did a documentary. About, remote view, about the remote viewing program and he had uh, Ingo Swann on there mm-hmm. and uh, Lynn Buchanan and Ed Dames and all these people. Wow! And it just uh, was, it just, um, I couldn't wait for more. And um, then, but, you know, we're talking 1996 and the world was a lot slower back then. And so you had to wait for things. And so a couple of years later, um, the only real access to anything related to remote viewing at that time was really the art bell show. Mm -hmm. And uh, so art had a couple of the military remote viewers on there and I would catch their shows whenever I could stay up that late, you know? (laughs) Um, But one of them was uh, the most vocal was that dames. He was the most vocal. So, Uh, all I really knew about remote viewing was from listening to him. And, but he did put out a training VH, you know, we're talking VHS times, but he put out a training course and I got a hold of that and started to try to make my way through it. And um, that, that's how it started to figure out, okay, there's a system here, there's a protocol um, and you kind of, You're following along with it, but you're also kind of in training your mind, uh, your conscious awareness, and your subconscious to uh, begin to work together, and um, become aware of of perceptions that come in, and you you document them. And so I struggled along with that uh, through through the 2000s, through the decade. Uh, training and practicing and a lot of trial and error. And uh, But it really wasn't until I moved here to Austin in 2011 and was very, very excited to find out that Hal Putoff lives here, uh, who went, along with Ingo Swan developed remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Smith, former military remote viewer Paul Smith lived here. I got to train with him, and it, w- it was so great. Uh, there were uh, CRV controlled remote viewing people live live here. Right, uh, Jerry Harfcock, uh Nancy Jean, and I was able to hang out with them and learn more of this of Ingo's original controlled remote viewing system. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it, you know once I got a hold of that, you know the, Ingo's controlled remote viewing is a very natural system. It is basically the back engineering of how Ingo uh, was able to perceive remote locations and describe them and how he experienced them and the sequence of events that took place, which is translated into a a six-stage controlled remote viewing protocol. And so I got more into that. And then... um, I was asked to, I was hired to remote view some targets, um, and they were videotaped, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I had ever had any access to anything like that. And um, I was like, okay, let's, you know, well, let's videotape them. And and those ones were uh, really interesting targets. They the. First one was, um, an object on the moon, uh, based off of, um, some of the Apollo photography photographs of the moon. And the second one was the Baltic sea anomaly. Mm -hmm. And those, and then when I saw them, when I watched the videos and watched myself remote viewing, it completely changed the whole ball game for me. And then I started to, to, um, to record all, all of my work right. so that I could watch it. And then I put them up on, on YouTube so that other people could see it. Because basically had, had I had access to that 10 years earlier, it would have saved me a lot of frustration Right. Um, because I, I feel that when you watch, or at least for me, I mean, everybody has their own way of learning, but for me, when I watch someone do something, it, it opens something in my in my mind, right. um, and then I I start to process what I'm watching, and I and I kind ad- of I can adapt to that a lot more. It's like if you're trying to learn, uh, you know, some licks by Stevie Ray Vaughan. If you're reading them out of a out a tablature book, uh, you know, that, that doesn't do anything for me. If I listen to it, it sounds great, but if I look at him playing it, Right. it's like oh man i now i can see
0: right
2: what's happening here let me try that now and um so that's that was the how i got into the to the video stuff and over over 200 videos now and um i'll just keep going until i can't do it anymore
1: and it's it's fascinating to watch your process as you go through it. And and what I like is that you give a summary at the beginning of your video for, for the people that just mm-hmm. wanna you know, that just want the data, wanna know what you found. But for the people that are really mm-hmm. interested in, in remote viewing, you can see the process of how you're going through and, and you're writing things down and, and how you're touching the paper and, and kind of connecting with the target and stuff. Um mm-hmm. you know, it it's it's helped me. I, I don't really have time to uh Practice my remote viewing craft, but I I still work with my my intuition and those other psychic data gathering aspects. And seeing you go through your process, I can see those little uh, idiosyncrasies that I do, and it helps me build that confidence and say, "Oh yeah, here's how he's working this and connecting with that target." And I can take pieces from that. So it's very helpful for anybody uh, that's interested, like you said, to watch. And learn. I, and I want to jump back for a minute because I, I just I can't pass up this question. You said you you viewed the structure on the moon. I'm curious. Is that something mm-hmm. you're able to to share a little bit about and what you, what you saw?
2: Well, the video is, is up there as one of the first videos, but it was um, it was an object. Um, let me try to. geez, let me try to remember. We're talking 2011 here and I haven't looked at that video in probably since 2011, but it was an object um, that I was picking up, and it, uh, it was cylindrical, mm-hmm. and um, I can't remember too much of that one. I remember the Baltic Sea one a lot better. You, know. you,
1: do you want to elaborate yeah, there on was, that? Yeah, there
2: was some kind of a strange object. The Baltic Sea one,
0: sure
2: that one this um, the, the Saint, Jerry Harthcottt, who had hired me to do the moon one, he uh, sent me a text and asked me if I'd be willing to do a remote viewing session, and um, I said, yeah, sounds great, and it you know it was for hire. And so I said, sure, let's do it. And we, we did it right away. And um I'm going through the session. These are long sessions. These are like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And um so you know, by the time you get to the forty five minute to an hour mark, you're you're pretty far out, you know. Wow. And um but I'm getting uh I'm experiencing uh something round, um something that um, is inoperable uh something that is being observed but the the thing about that there was there was a specific um, feeling about um the the fact that this that this thing was being observed because it was like um the observer was being observed, or the—that's what I said in the session. I had a, it was a feeling like the like watching the watchers, you know, or the watcher was being watched, hmm. and it was almost like a, an uncomfortable thing. Right, and it had, it was pie shaped, and uh, there were holes uh, that went through it. There were heat signatures coming through these holes and um and it had a sense of of being abandoned uh, it was fascinating it was a fascinating experience wow. to go through
1: and that's for for those not familiar with that was that the disk shaped object that somebody saw at the bottom of the sea right i don't know where the first image came from but um is that that's the, correct. That's the target yeah. Correct? yeah i remember seeing that years ago yeah. it was a quick thing it was actually on cnn And then I never heard about it again in the mainstream. And I was like, ah, yep, of course, that's the way it goes.
2: Yeah, Jerry had uh, heard about it, and uh, he immediately tasked it. I hadn't even – I had not heard about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I did the session and he he gave me the feedback, I I had no idea what it was. So it was – it was uh, right as soon as that was was released. So it was a fascinating session. It was really cool. But the great thing about that one, too, was that during the, the remote viewing, this is something I very, very clearly remember, and this will kind of go toward the process of remote viewing, was this was done in a, in a uh, hotel um, conference room. The remote viewing was done. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of the session... And in walks uh, a janitor or a, a cleaner cleaning fellow mm-hmm. wanting to vacuum uh, inside the room. Wow. <laughs> and so as I'm in the midst of this uh, intense focus, uh, in walks some fellow, took me away from it. Uh, but right. as soon as he left, I went right back into it. Yeah. And so for anybody who, who does or practices or tries remote viewing, um, you know, the part of the discipline is that you have to deal with distractions. Right. And once you learn the discipline part of it, um, those distractions don't really take you off uh, target or out of that space uh, because where your mind is in a remote viewing, sp- the mind space you're in in a remote viewing experience and what there were the the space that that dude was walking through that door are two completely different frequencies they are two yeah. different places right and so the the uh it was easy to go back into the mind space of the remote viewing because right. they were like like a m and fm radio signals mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah no that that makes it it's, it's a, a different almost like a different feeling or a different click um you
2: completely know, different feeling
1: i've got three young kids under six, so I understand trying to work with distractions. I had to tell them tonight, I put them in the bed, I said, stay in bed, Daddy's got an important phone call tonight, do not come down unless we have some kind of major emergency. My sense is, you mean like somebody's (laughs) bleeding? I said, it better be a lot of blood for you to come down, but I do understand, and that's inspiring for me because I'm still trying to improve my remote viewing technique, so uh, knowing I've got three kids that are going to disrupt me. So... Yeah, but that's that's a cool. That's a really cool target. What, what would you say has been your most uh, your most valuable experience um, with remote viewing?
2: Well, there's been a lot of them, um, but I would say my favorites. Are uh, when I've had the opportunity again, all the targets are blind, so I, I have no idea what they are. But the, the, the ones that uh, were the targets were something on a molecular level, an atomic or subatomic level, uh, that is my favorite place to go. Mm-hmm. And I'd say where I feel the most comfortable, um, the the elements of my brain and my mind that experience curiosity, which is, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest experiences um that our mind uh, our brain can generate Mm -hmm. is curiosity is uh loves to be uh, at the atomic molecular and subatomic level so those targets are my favorites i got a couple of those videos up uh one of them was uh, a, a ibm memory chip that was 12 atoms in size. Oh
1: my goodness.
2: Uh, yeah, that was the target. And, um, that video is up and it was, I, w- I just, um, did a review of that one actually out for my, for the Patreon thing, mm-hmm. um, went back and looked at that one. It's been a long time, but there's a, the, there's a the great experience for me in that when, um, um, uh, attempting to get on paper what it is that I'm experiencing right. and um and I suddenly just have to admit that I feel like I am a blood cell underneath a microscope. I'm under a microscope. I'm in some subatomic realm here or mm-hmm. a molecular realm. And it's there's just no other feeling like that so that, that i'd say that's my favorite um the other one uh was a d was a dna strand mm-hmm. and that, that, that was that those that was a series the remote green project that i had done uh, and that was that was one of my favorites because of there were some interesting anomalies that took took place there but that, that's a long story i don't want to talk talk too much about that other than that is uh, people. Mm-hmm. I love remote viewing people. Um, that experience of, of experiencing another human being's life is, I can't even really put it into words. It's, it's so rich and it's so flavorful. Um, it's, it's an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. I've remote viewed people and have learned more about them from remote viewing them than I ever would have learned from a reading about them or watching a movie about them.
0: Right.
2: Um, it's just, it's incredible to go into someone's mind and experience what they experience. This is as an example one time I was passed, and uh, the target was um, George Harrison. Mm. And I'm going through the experience of, of, a, of a human being who had this open channel of creativity that was unblocked. And this creative outpouring just flowed effortlessly through this person. Mm-hmm. And I got to experience that and it was freaking awesome. That's amazing. You know, um, the other, my other favorite was, I had a lot of favorites, but <laughs> Stephen Hawking. Wow. Um, that was, that was so awesome. Um, that videos up. all those videos are available. If people want to watch them. Okay. But I, I, there was, there was some part in the session where it clicked in, and suddenly I was going—I was ha- going through the ex- having an experience of a mind that was reminding me. Uh, we call that AOL of the signal, mm-hmm. but it was reminding me of like the Matrix, in that uh, this human being was able to categorize huge amounts of information in their mind and and arrange them and pull them up and design them at their own will and it was so amazing uh, to experience a mind of that level of control and it was it was amazing man it, it was just it blew me away, man. It just blew yeah. me away.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating to you know. And then to have that, it gives you a different level of insight into into people. I can see how that would would work for you. Um,
2: Completely, a whole new level.
1: So, with those experiences with your remote viewing, have you noticed that in your just everyday waking reality? Have you developed more of a you know a sixth sense or more psychic abilities? Does any of that bleed over to you in your everyday life?
2: Yes. Uh, that does happen. Um, it's I personally um, kind of don't want that to happen too much mm-hmm. uh, and and I've kind of trained myself to allow that to happen when when I want that to happen that right. That's what I really love about remote viewing is that it it gives you an it gives you a, uh, a canvas, it gives you an outlet, it gives you, you can dedicate uh, a space of time mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to allow yourself to experience that. Otherwise, um, it it's, um, can be pretty distracting, and there's, there's just a lot of stimuli out there that I really just don't want to feel.
1: I I completely understand, uh, it can be, it can be overwhelming. I'm, I'm uh, pretty empathic myself and there's times where it's like, I I need this to to shut off. I need to unplug for a while. And I've got, I've really worked at it over the last five years. I have a good handle, but sometimes in certain environments, um, it's overwhelming. It's really tough.
2: Yeah, it is. Especially if you're, you're suddenly, um, You know, feeling some empathy or empathic waves of somebody who's experienced things that you don't want to feel. Yep. Yep. And um, so, yeah, it's just you've got to shut it off.
1: That was my uh, that was my challenge as uh, as a police officer and uh And, as an emotional support teacher, I constantly found myself it it was a benefit, but it was a drain because I'd walk in and I'd say, "Well, I know what this person is feeling, and I know it would calm them down. I know what to say, I know how to stand, and right. i know and I would use that, and I was very good at talking people down, but then yeah. I leave, and now that funks on me, and I'm trying to shake it now I'm all you mess, know it you know, and it's tough absolutely it's man. A for a while,
2: you know. Absolutely, there, there, you can only do that stuff for so long. I mean, yeah. there, there's a there's a burnout, and it's it's pretty quick.
1: Yeah, know? yeah, it, it it is quick, you know. You know? And, and I hung in with emotional support for 11 years as a teacher. Um, wow. But, but uh, I, you know, I, I felt it, so I'm feeling this is my first year not teaching, and uh, I'm feeling you know a little bit more energized because I can focus it in other directions. Wow. So it's nice. Wow. Yeah, it's but, intense. Listen, we could go on tangent after tangent. I'd really like to talk about the uh, the QAnon stuff. Um, before, actually, one more question before we get to that, and let, let's I just want to ask you about um, you know reliability for our listeners out there in terms of remote viewing data. You know, we understand that it's a process, it's a controlled process, but how should we how should we evaluate the data, especially on a target that we can't fully verify the authenticity of? Um, How how should we take this data that we're about to talk about?
2: Well, um, I would say definitely take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the military did not rely on remote viewing alone. It was one of a a whole range of intelligence gathering tools. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, if they needed to check something out and uh, they, they would look at it and, and, um, compare it with other things. Right. With, with, uh, with this Q and on episode, um, I am not saying any of it is real. Mm-hmm. All I'm, all I'm doing is documenting my experience. Right. And the only thing that, that, um, I will, hold to is my experience Mm -hmm. and the the data um, is for other people to decide what they want to do with Um, but I'm certainly I'm not the kind of person uh, to try to convince anyone of anything I'm just putting out uh, my experience and we weren't going to put that cue thing up Mm -hmm. Uh, once the target was revealed to me and i was and i was looking back at the this uh you know uh, f- extremely intense remote viewing project that i had just uh, gone through for 2 weeks um uh, and what was in there we didn't want to put it out mm-hmm. um because e- because either it would be um too sensational um or it would be dangerous because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if any of it's real. But yeah. if it is real and somebody knows it's real, then uh, then it could be dangerous. But if it's a bunch of crap, then I look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Uh, I put my stuff up there whether it makes me look good or looks, makes me look bad right. because it's my experience. It's my art. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. You know, so, um, so then once some certain anomalies started to kind of surface, uh, then I I decided, you know what, I'm going to put this up because, um, if there is something here, even parts of it, and let's say if 20% of it can be verified, I would rather have it timestamped and verified. Yeah. And, um, so... After about a month or so, um, I decided to just put him up. And then, you know, it was a long process of putting him up. By the time I was got to the last one, I was just done with the whole thing. Yeah. And ready to, to move on, you know.
1: And then some um, random guy contacts you and says, hey, can you come on my podcast and talk about it, even though you're done with it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that... Um, it's, it's kind of like uh, – the reason, the reason I agreed to come onto the show was because anomalies are starting to show.
0: Yeah.
2: And so now it's interesting to me. Remote viewing data, to me, is not interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find remote viewing data interesting at all. I find the remote viewing experience to be absolutely fascinating. I find the anomalies that happen absolutely fascinating, but the data doesn't do anything for me,
1: mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, can you explain, um, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but can you explain to our listeners what, an anom- what would constitute an anomaly? Uh,
2: in, the, in the Q, uh, as far as the Q sessions go, um, I was going over that last session. This was session number, the last one, mm-hmm. the last one that I did, and it was very intense. And, um, in the, in the midst of what I was experiencing, uh, I was, I was feeling getting the sensation of infinity Mm -hmm. and I was, and I was, I thought I was writing the word infinity on the page and saying it, but as I'm going, as I'm making this, the video for, for the last session, I'm going over it and I don't go over my stuff. I just, I don't go back and look at my stuff. I just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But I noticed that I didn't spell infinity. I spelled, I didn't put the N in there. The the N was missing in both both times. And to me at first it was like, you know, it it happens, you know. When I'm in a deep space like that, Spelling correctly is not high priority. Yeah, and you even it's, said something like that in,
1: in that video. You said, you know, I was I was so out there, you know, so it's yeah, tough to even I to write. made
2: a typo, man. Yeah, you know, I spelled it wrong. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know, it happened. Sorry, but then somebody uh, sends me a message saying that there's a there's a company called Ifinity. Yeah, and they are an, an artificial intelligence smart city company. Yeah, and Uh, that to me was an an anomaly uh, that came through. I never heard of the company, um, but that was an an anomaly. And then another anomaly appears to have come up in one of the earlier sessions where I was getting the words dark light were coming into my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know how to interpret it. Uh, I was doing my best to try to interpret what that might mean. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and it was just some strange couple of words and I was trying to interpret them, you know, just part of the session, right. uh, who knows, you know, but recently somebody had sent me a link saying that there's a company called dark light uh-huh. and they are an artificial intelligence company oh and they, they use AI for some type of security, uh, cyber security using right. artificial intelligence. I don't know. You know what I mean? I never heard of them. Yeah. Those are the anomalies that I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, that's interesting to me. So then it's like, okay, it's getting interesting. You know, that, that stuff
0: is, is
1: interesting to me. Yeah. Really. Um, it, it really, when I saw the, um, the affinity, the other night, I think it was just last night, um, somebody sent it to me. They sent me your your video, and my jaw hit the ground. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" He he thought he was spelling it wrong, and here it is. It's an actual company, and it ties into AI and everything that he was viewing on the target. You know, you, you really have to think twice when you're looking and evaluating that data. You know, and and I just want to piggyback. You know, I I said this last week in my show. You know, I, I do have an intelligence background, and I didn't get into remote viewing. I was aware of remote viewing when I was in, but I just didn't get to that level where I could. I wanted to, but it just didn't happen for me. Um, but when you're dealing with intelligence, you take a variety of forms of intel. You know, I worked in what was called human, so I dealt with human intelligence. But there was signals intelligence. There was, um, you know, a variety of different forms of that signal that would come in, and then other um, imagery intelligence that would come in as well. And, and uh, we take all of that and evaluate and say, all right, how does this piece fit? How does this piece fit? What's in common? What doesn't fit the mix? Let's put that aside and, and, and we'd go from there. So, and that's the same thing with remote viewing data. I think, take that yeah. how does it fit holistically in that bigger picture? And it can be valuable that way.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the way I look at it is, um, as time goes on and information becomes available, uh, if it can be verified, then it's, then it's interesting. Right. Um, but, uh, anybody who's looking at my sessions and thinking that they're, they're going to make any kind of life choice or, or anything based on, uh, my remote viewing data, mm-hmm. I would strongly suggest that they reconsider, right. um, take it as interesting. And, uh, if, if there's something real in there, it'll, it'll be found or it'll be, it'll present itself, mm-hmm. um, and stay curious Stay interested,
0: but don't don't get
2: fanatical. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. Like
1: you know. Now Farsight is trying to do something like that to get on a tangent here for a minute. They're working with the uh the various I think types of Bitcoin and, and financial markets, making predictions every month. But he's giving all his caveats. You know, Courtney Brown saying, you know, this is this is um you know, we're not financial advisors. We're doing an experiment here. We want to see if we can predict markets. I mean, they're trying to uh, recreate, I guess. Uh, who was that Russell Targ's experiment where they were looking at the silver markets back in the seventies and they made all that money. I think they're, they're playing on those mm-hmm. lines there, but yeah.
2: And he, he knows more than anyone, um, the, the dangers of putting out remote viewing information, yeah. uh, the potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's take it with a grain of salt Yep, and, um, you know,
1: well, that's a, that's a good point mm-hmm. and it's a good yeah. word of caution Pretty moving bad. into this because we have some some heavy stuff that, that you know, it, it took me a while to process because it connects a lot of dots potentially for things that I've been studying and exploring. So um, I, I needed time to process it before I went off the deep end because I was like, wow, this is heavy stuff. So I'm glad we gave that caveat at the beginning to take it with a grain of salt and look at other information that's out there. Um, and don't make life-changing choices about it. So why don't you just give us a a brief background on on, on what, I mean, you knew nothing about QAnon before this started, correct? Before you got this target?
2: I had heard of them. Right. um, But it's not something that I'm interested in. Uh, I didn't um, follow the the Q movement or anything like that. It was Mm -hmm. just a background thing I was aware of. Of that there was a QAnon group. Right. But to me, it kind of was like, uh, Julian Assange or, you know, maybe kind of conspiracy, you know, David Icke kind of thing, or I, I just wasn't interested. Just not, mm-hmm. it. that kind of stuff doesn't interest me.
0: Right.
2: You know? Um, so, uh, I was pretty shocked when I got the, <laughs> the yeah. feedback after everything was done. I was, I, it didn't even hit me when, when I got the, the feedback and I read the queue, funny enough, it's called a queue. Yeah. Um, that what the tasking was and what the target was, it, it took me about five or seven minutes even to register, um, what, what was happening.
0: Yeah. You know, Yeah, and, and that's uh, I interesting.
2: was not connecting the dot. I, it was, it took me a while to wrap my head around it of what, what was in my sessions and what the tasking was, because it wasn't just, it wasn't just, um, here's the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is Q, you know, the, no, it wasn't, it was an elaborate tasking, mm-hmm. um, that, um, I had recently just said, Hey, can you send me the tasking again? Cause I hadn't even seen the tasking for about a month when, when it was, when it was, when it was shown to me, right. but it was very elaborate. And, and it, and it, and it had a, I can read you the tasking.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, because it goes to what came through in the session, but your original question, I was completely blind to the target all the way through, mm-hmm. uh, and a text message was sent to me asking me if I would be willing to work at target. I said, sure, no problem. I was sent a, via text, a target reference number. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I did the first session. On paper, Uh, in that session, I was getting the idea of an emblem. Um, I sent the session back. I got uh, asked uh, if I would be willing to do a movement uh, and continue on, or if I wanted feedback. I said, sure, I'll do a movement. Uh, I was asked to explore emblem, and that was it. I went in the second session And um, and I was immediately in the middle of a a very heated uh, argument slash discussion between two groups of people. Um, The emblem thing was gone for me. I I was in the middle of all these people who were very heated, very emotional. They were very intelligent. Uh, It was debate. It was heated. It was arguing and they were arguing about information, about disseminating information, uh, whether uh, the rightness and the wrongness of information, and all of these types of things. And I was very curious about these people, and um, I was very happy to have had that experience. That was very interesting to me. So I sent that back, and Um, I got a text asking if I would be willing to explore a few things from that session. And I said, yes, uh, which things. And I was, I don't know if I forget what it was. I don't know what, maybe the people or the argument or what were Mm -hmm. they talking about or whatever. And, uh, and it, you know, it, we were on, I was, I was off to the races, you know, um, but but it's interesting here. I'll read you the the tasking because I had I had just got it today. I haven't looked at it um, in over a month or whatever. But it was target two seven nine four four nine zero two. Essential Q. The person, persons, or program here and after termed as entity using the online handle known as Q anon that was posted. Directed that has posted directed information on four-channel and eight-channel, I don't know what that means, Mm -hmm. starting October 28, 2017, to the current time frame. Viewing parameters. The viewer perceives only the intended target as it is specified by this target definition. The viewer describes only tangibles and intangibles that exist related to this target in the intended and stated task time frame, Protocol use, CRV, controlled remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Target variables, entity known as QAnon. In addition to relevant aspects of the general target as defined by the essential Q, the viewer perceives and describes the additional tangential target aspects, including current physical characteristics of targets, the reasoning, impetus, intent behind posts on four channel and eight channel, the current location in which target is located, the current associations with other entities related to the target's scope, current and past affiliations of the target, the intended outcome of the target's actions, the target's means of, of anonymity so that was the entire tasking wow. of which I was handed uh, about a month after all the sessions
1: were done. Mm-hmm. That's intense. And and you start going through, this, going through this process. And, and I saw that it, you know, it was exhausting as you were going through with your videos and everything. Um, but as, as you're going through this process, you start perceiving, I mean, the, the, the hot buttons there, AI, nanotechnology, it sounds like some... Grand conspiracy and signals and waves. Can you talk a little bit about about those findings?
2: We, when when um, I looked, I wanted to go back and look at these people who were in this heated discussion. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was working um, to have that experience, I was suddenly uh, having these sensations that. Um, I was at uh, some type of building or some kind of a facility. There were people working inside there. Uh, they were very focused, very intense. Um, there was something interesting about the facility that it appeared to be uh, either remote or hidden mm-hmm. uh, or extremely guarded and um even to the point where, where I was trying to to describe what I was experiencing, but it felt like it was behind some type of uh, barrier or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was extremely guarded, um, you know, uh, uh, safely. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's hard to describe um, that, you know, times 10, but that's what it felt like, and the people inside uh, felt very um, secure to do the level of work that they were doing. And as I uh, started to become more curious about that, uh, I started to want to know kind of some of the things that I could perceive that they were doing or that may, may be going on there. I was starting to get this sensation um, Of medical type of uh, I don't want to say experiments but Mm -hmm. like somebody working on some type of tech um, it felt gelatinous Uh, and I was getting a lot of these very strange concepts of like uh, nanotech inside of a gel or artificial cells that they were that these scientists were, were developing something. You know, that's really, really what I was curious about. And that I, I was getting the sensation that they were developing something. Yeah. And I wanted to try to experience that, uh, try to comprehend that. Um, and it was getting into the ideas of nanotech or, you know, these kind of little nanobots and and how that may be inside of some kind of a gel and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then um, it felt like uh, it was more than one facility that um, possibly these types of experiments or this type of science was happening on one side, and something else, or in one building, and something else was happening in another building. And in the other building, um, the these uh, people, as I was experiment experiencing them, they were uh, developing different types of technology um, that would um was like in an experimental phase but uh they were being allowed to um basically live in an environment um that some people had in mind uh, for the future a like, future like an way experimental of
1: living commune or community
2: it didn't really, yeah, kind of accept the people that I was experiencing. Um, they they were full on uh, living this way. Mm-hmm. It was like a new way of living, and um, and they they were they had the the advantage or the um, they had the they were being benefacted mm-hmm. and allowed uh, in this experiment um to live in uh what they were seeing or planning as uh, the way things were going to be in the future um in that i was getting the feeling and the sensations that i was moving uh between uh a present time and a future timeline mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I was going back and forth in that. Um, some of the, the the either the technology or the um, the, the way of living um, was in in action. Um, that was very interesting for me. It was it was very curious thing to experience because these people that I was perceiving were not burdened by any of the things that you and I are burdened of Mm -hmm. in the world that we experience. Um, they, um, it was like, and I'm not saying they were aliens or anything. I'm talking, my perception was these were human people who were in, um, They were living in the the world of tomorrow, basically. Right. And their mind, their minds, their minds is what I was interested in because their minds were not burdened by the garbage that were, that is fed into our minds. Right. And so, and as a result, they were completely, their minds were freed up to, to evolve, this scenario that um, that they were creating that included uh, very advanced technologies communication systems um, and and that kind of thing
1: do you think so I was I'm, I'm sorry I just, I'm gonna stop you for a second do you think that this nanotechnology was somehow a, like a very real part of their current living situation beyond just developing it? Do you think they had already integrated it into their society?
2: I I don't know. I don't recall uh, experiencing anything like that. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, from the se- – and I can only go by the sessions. Right. Uh, there was a part in one or maybe more of the sessions where that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think that it followed through um, into the rest of them, uh, so I'm not sure. Because what what the what it was uh, what I was experiencing of that later was more of a signal, uh, a Wi-Fi type of signaling. Um, that was, uh, affecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, it were, there were satellites, there were, that were, um, broadcasting, um, something the, and the satellites themselves, uh, they felt like they were, um, like they were run by, uh, artificial intelligence.
1: So it was an AI they run were, satellite that was putting out some kind of signal that...
2: That's what, it, that's what I was experiencing, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, I you know, I always refer to just our own consciousness and our own psychic perceptions, for lack of a better term, um, as the natural universal Wi-Fi that we're connected to. And in, in exploring yeah. this AI, it seems that there, there, at least there's rumors of, some other signal that's being developed... For I mean, we'll get into it because you've touched on some of these buzzwords, you know, later in your sessions, but they're developing another signal that, that seems like a replica of the signal that's already out there. And it's, it's almost like they're developing, you know, for when I said in other shows, they're developing their own universe through this other signal that's out there.
2: That's exactly what I was experiencing. And, and uh, I, that's what I declared in, yeah. in one of the sessions.
0: Yeah, I, I, I almost scholars they they I
2: that they, when you said that they were um, they had the intention of creating their own universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was really freaking weird. Was that in the last one? Now I'm curious about that. Uh, <laughs> that I'm it, thinking I think it was it.
1: in in 7. Um, and, and here's here's what's interesting about that is is you know, you're perceiving them Creating their own universe and just kind of backpedaling. You know, some of the stuff that I've covered on my show and and, and written about um, is uh, like people like Professor Gates, Theodore Gates. He was, I think, University of Maryland. He was on Obama's uh, staff. I forget. He got so many awards. Um, A credible scientist. He's a theoretical physicist. And when he was studying string theory, He found in the pictures they use to describe string theory, and this is all science beyond me, but his words were, he was in in an interview, it was called the uh, Conference of Everything or Theory of Everything Conference with Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, in studying these pictures, these equations that make up string theory, I found computer code embedded in these pictures. Not just computer code, error correcting binary code. Um, in wow. this, so, and his conclusion was, and he says, it's, it's a weird thing for me to say, but the matrix is a good representation of our reality quite possibly. Um, wow. so as I'm, and, and I can go on and on, but I'll say that for another discussion. But from that, there's other people who have come forward with information that supports what he was saying. Now, Linda Moulton Howe has a pretty fascinating interview with a guy who claims he went to another universe and um you know she's a pretty she's a great researcher but his story says when he ended up in this room and he spoke with a voice and the voice explained we wanted to understand our universe so we took all the data we could and compiled it into this and it became a universe of its own. And you were talking about wow. how it's gathering all this data and I'm going, wow, that resonates with what right. you know, this person testified when he said that. And I'm, I'm wow. cutting, cutting that. That's short, fascinating. Yeah, and then and then there's one more piece and then I'll, I'll get back to your story. But I, I you know it just ties it all together if, if you look at the, the Gnostic writings. Um, there's a book called the Book of Zostrianus. And these were these were buried fourteen hundred years ago. And Zostrianus was like, you know, the original truth seeker and he, it talks about how he transcended the levels, and there was these things called aeons. And aeons um, were conscious entities, but they also were realms of existence. So you could exist within an aeon. Um, and they had what's called aeons and aeonic copies, copies of... Realities where a soul could go to and travel through to have varying experiences, and when you step back with today's it's like what well, we're talking about, virtual reality experiences, yeah. we're talking about copies of these, and so uh, you know, I, I'm seeing these parallels into what you were pulling out, and I just, I wanted to make that connection here as we're as we're on that subject. But um, wow, is that resonating with you?
2: Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> It gets, uh, yeah, we, it could it could definitely fly off the rails. Here. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it could. I mean, you tie that into now what what people like Ray Kurzweil of of Google are saying, how he's trying to upload his mind within the next twenty years to the cloud. Elon Musk developing Neuralink, he's you know to to merge the human mind with the cloud. I mean, they're they're publicly stating we're trying to create our own digital universe. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But sorry I got sidetracked, yeah, well, but I, I just wanted to get on to uh to make those connections for us here. But you were talking about um, you know, so you're starting to see they're creating this universe and they, and they have this satellite signal coming out. Can you talk about that signal and the impact that it that it has on the, the people you were perceiving?
2: Um I was I was trying to um I was going through the experience where I felt like I was popping between two different timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh the current one and a future one. And as I was experiencing that, I was uh getting a very strong uh impulse um mm-hmm. of some of an event an event horizon. Mm-hmm. Or some kind of like a spike or something like that. Um, uh, basically a turning point. I'm using, I'll call it, I didn't say turning point in, in the experience. I'll, I'll say it now just as a, like a descriptive phrase. Right. But like, uh, um, there's, you know, there's before and then there's after kind of a thing. Yeah. And, um, and that the after the event, um, this, uh, technology or this, this world that these, these people are, uh, are wanting to implement, um, would be t- basically turned on. Uh, and it would, it would be, it would go live. Mm-hmm. And what, what I was experiencing, um, was these waves of, like um, like a broadcast going out in waves, and and hitting people, hitting everything.
0: Right.
2: Um, and and then the living things of people uh, being affected by the by these signals. Uh, the the signals were very interesting to me. I, I wanted to explore them more. I wanted to um, I wanted to experience them more because they were very interesting to me. And so as I was attempting to uh, experience and describe them, I was getting uh, these notions of problem solving, Mm -hmm. of um, correcting things, And that, um, that was like, um, again, it it was into this realm of where this feeling like you take all recorded information Mm -hmm. that humans have collected and you, um, give an artificial intelligence access to it and it can crunch all of that information, it can scan something and find all of its problems that are detectable and offer solutions to to that equation. Right. And, um, but even people, even people. And so I was experiencing like like if a human being was scanned, or a human brain was scanned by this, by this um, machine, that the machine, uh, in its advanced technology, would be able to detect um, inconsistencies or problems mm-hmm. in that human brain. And be able to send signals to those neurons, those neural nets, to resolve that issue. Um, Basically, solving people's problems.
1: You know, I I have to go go back. I'm sorry, i got to stop you here for a second. But I I have to go back and and double-check some notes I had. But TrueStream Media put out something not too long ago about a video that came out of Google talking about the future and how they're developing I think what they called a ledger and this ledger's goal um, moving forward is to be basically your personal assistant in helping you solve problems and meet goals and then they went through the steps of evolution of this ledger and I, I got to go back and find the video I can send it to you offline but and it it Describes very similar to what you're talking about, solving problems. You know, it's this great way to deal with life and and meet goals and solve problems.
2: Yeah, yeah. This what the the what I was experiencing was like if you took a person and this um, they were scanned and impulses were sent to the brain and then the, then the person suddenly felt a resolution Mm -hmm. to their problem in their mind.
0: Right.
2: Uh, that's, that's what I was experiencing, uh, with this technology and that, um, and, and it was like, you know, what would people think?
0: Right.
2: Right. How would people react to that? Um, it, that could be a new. Re- it could be a new religion. Yep. This, this is the answer. This is this is this is the answer. This made me feel better. Uh, this resolved my problems, but does it resolve them? I, I don't know. Is it is it like a a drug? They feel better, or they don't feel the pain, or whatever. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, but that's. It was it was extremely bizarre, to, uh, experience that in that session. It was very troubling um, and it was it was frightening to even uh, explore the idea because um, because of how people just like with remote viewing they ninety nine percent of the people only are only interested in the data mm-hmm. they don't care about the experience the the, the person is having you know. Mm-hmm. They only they only want the data, mm-hmm. you know, they, they to 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 relieve their fears or or whatever it is, you know, and and that's just human nature.
0: Right.
2: And so if the technology is presented, that will re, will alleviate people's problems um, by sending impulses into their into their n- neural nets to rewire, basically rewire their brain to resolve some neural conflict. Uh, it'd be hard to fight that. Um, and they would, I, you know, it'd be hard to fight that. But I'm, to me, that's scary because it sounds like mind control, you yeah. know? Yeah, that, it's like MK Ultra times that's a thousand. That's scary to me, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's frightening to me. But then... Yeah. On the other end, um, I'm experiencing the other side of that, which is the notion of um, what is a human being, what is a human being's potential, mm-hmm. when we're not just in a constant state of solving all of our problems. Our endless life on Earth is is a nothing but a one problem after another, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I have the, the, I'm hungry. That's the problem. I have to solve it. I have to find food. I got bills. I got this, I got yeah. personal conflict. Everything we do in life is a trying to resolve some problem of some kind, basically. And, but the notion that I was experiencing and I, and I feel if, if I could pinpoint it, it would be towards these developers. Um, who who have this notion that that the part of the intention is wait a minute, what is a human being's potential if that mind is not burdened by problems? Mm-hmm. What else can it conceive of? You know, right? Um, and I was moving into the of pure creativity, moving into pure creative realms once that human mind is relieved of the burden of the problems of existence on earth. So it was like a, I was even kind of experiencing this in the session. It was beautiful mm-hmm. and it was terrifying Yeah, all at the same time.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. You referenced at um, one point, uh, Skynet made, made that comparison to Skynet. I don't know if that was at this same point or not, but I know that you did bring that up. Um, you know, is that relevant still, do you think?
2: It was, uh, you know, I that's from Terminator, right?
1: Yes. Yes, that was the AI I'm not even, I over.
2: can't, oh, was it? Okay, because I, I can't really remember what Skynet did, you know?
1: Yes, so, Skynet was um, the artificial intelligence I, that deemed humanity as a threat, and they launched nuclear weapons on all the countries in the world and created killer robots to oh, okay. take out all the people.
2: Okay, well then okay, well then some, some part of my mind put, put those, those two together and, and the, the notion of Skynet came into my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in, in the sense of, um, satellite, satellite technology of, of beaming down. Um, I was even experiencing it like, um, raining down bits and bytes, you know, Yeah onto people, um, and everything, everything. It was like being able to scan everything and, uh, find some resolution to it. It w- it was really amazing. It was an amazing feeling to, to experience that idea. You know, what, what would it be like, what would it be like if, um, if those things were resolved and the human could then experience, uh, what our true nature, maybe right. our true potential. Uh, and, and it really like those people that I was experiencing who are being allowed to live that way now. Um, I, I was, I felt a little envious, you know, right. Like what a great opportunity. them. Well, what it was, no, what I felt was a relief.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I felt a relief in my own mind of, of um, perceiving another human mind that was free of the burden of, pro- of our daily ex- of reality that we exist yeah. in and the, the, the open potential that existed from it. You
1: know, it's a good, it's a good, it's a, I mean, it's, it makes a great sales pitch. Um, not that you're making a sales pitch, but I, you know, I, I can see this like, Hey, you know, everything's great. It takes away all your problems. There's just something about it. If something like this was to come to fruition, that, just makes me uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie; it does seem like a beautiful scary thing. and
2: terrifying, absolutely beautiful and terrifying. You know, and I, I did you a know, show uh, a,
1: a few weeks ago. They were talking about you know nanotech being everywhere, and maybe it's in the food. And then um, you know, it, it's weird because I think you mentioned a, at some point Ecuador. Uh, I don't remember where or why, um, but just the other day, uh, Julian Assange was given some broadcast from the Ecuadorian embassy and he mentioned dangerous nano dust or something. I forget his exact wordings. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He did say something like that along those lines. Um, and then I think the broadcast wow. was cut short shortly after. I I did hear him make those statements. I haven't evaluated all that fully yet, so I'm gonna give that disclaimer, but he I did hear the the clip of him making that statement. I don't know all the other context behind it yet. But
2: well, I mean, if, if in hindsight, um, if I was to to look at some of my data uh, with like the nano gels and all yeah. that kind of weird stuff, and then the satellite uh, signal waves and the Wi-Fi waves, um, yeah, I, I can uh, in hindsight say maybe that that they're that they're part of the system.
0: Yeah,
2: um, and that uh, when 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 that um, AI wave sends out those re- resolution impulses or whatever it is, uh, and it is interacting with net with, uh, some nanotech
1: Tech that, in
2: yep. the human brain. Maybe,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I didn't think of that in the session. I can look at it now that we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling your audience, I'm not saying any of this is going to happen. No, 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 <laughs> you know? no, no, That's, that's um,
1: quite clear. But it, but, it makes uh, you think uh, because uh, there's, there's, parallels to things that are, I mean, they're talking about the weaponization of space and, you know, people joke, Space Force, let's join up, but a lot of the weaponization of space is designing satellites that are going to be able to defend us or fight other satellites and and do all sorts of other wacky stuff from up there in space, you know, so there are parallels to the data you collected to things that are playing out, you know, and of course, you can let your imagination run wild as well, which can be dangerous like I tend to do sometimes, but I, know. I mean,
2: you know, just as a disclaimer, um, if if I was offered uh, to go and be a part of this, if, you know, some, uh, you know, men in black showed up and said, hey, uh, do you want to take these nanobots right. and let the A.I. scan you and uh, relieve you of all the stress, I would say absolutely not. Yeah. Um, all I need is a sensory deprivation tank. Thank you very much. Wow, um, yeah. that's all I'll, all, all I need is that. And, uh, you can keep your nanobots, you know, I'll, I'll achieve the same thing in a, in a float tank. I, Thank I you. said that Goodbye. last week. Yeah,
1: I said, I said something very similar last week is that we have the ability to access altered states of consciousness where we can we can gather data, we can have experiences, but when we put that AI in control, we ultimately don't know who's behind the AI, what their goals are, and they're feeding us these false experiences. We can still access that stuff. So, you know, you're s think you're spot on with that, Edward. I really do. Yeah. We are uh yeah. you know, we're we're coming up to the Yeah, I tell you
2: the... I tell you what, I tell you what, Dennis, it, it's alluring. Yeah. Um I mean go go you know, just now I'm going through this and I'm like, oh that that that's feels good. Yeah. it It is very alluring.
0: Yeah. It sounds um, great.
2: And, and, uh, you know, but you know, break, uh, you know, I had to break myself out of the spell there for a second.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. It, you know, it, it's addicting. I mean, it, it, it sounds like a wonderful thing and, and I think a lot of people will go for it. You know, my fear is that it's, it's altering the course of it. It could, if this is something that ends up coming to fruition it could alter the course of human evolution. It could put us into a system where we're basically our minds are enslaved and we're not aware of it. Um, and some will argue that's already yeah. happened. But, um, you know, it yeah. just leaves us in... And it becomes the hive mind, the hive mentality. I mean, we're now the internet yeah. of things. And how are we going to be used as a resource? I mean, that's that's yeah. what scares me. And that's what I'm worried about.
2: Yeah. You know, when I, when I did the um, final video... Um, you know, I, you know, I, I sit down, I turn on the recorder. I don't plan out what I, what I'm going to say.
0: Right.
2: You know, I, I hit play and I go. Right. Um, and you know, so in that final video, you know, when I'm, I'm like, we have to ha- hang on to our that individuality at all yeah. costs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that was in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and that is, I've, I feel, Dennis, that, um, the QAnon phenomena is part of, uh, a very big operation.
0: Yeah.
2: And it, it, it hits, uh, one part of the brain. Um, you know, it's like a signal to one part of the brain uh, that wants, th- that, that is craving that. You know, yeah. humans—they—they they made us very afraid, and we want to feel like we have an understanding of what's going on. We want to feel in control. We want to feel that somebody's on our side. Uh, humans are a, are a, we're afraid, you know?
0: Yep,
2: we're just we're afraid, and so it it's, it is like uh, it speaks to that part uh in some people's brain and i i feel after going through this uh, big project getting the feedback sitting on it processing it um and trying to come to some comprehension of it in my own mind it feels to me like part of a large um plan that is in place to bring on uh, something much bigger. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, in my own mind, I wonder if um, the exposing of all of these leaders as uh, for what they are, uh, imperfect, flawed human beings, is part of the process of offering the solution of an unbiased, non-sexual, non-greedy um, intelligence that can, that can draw its conclusions from all of history. Yeah. From the dawn of civilization what worked, ways of governance, how it was governed uh, can crunch all of that information and utilize it in real time without emotional bias Mm -hmm. um, and personal needs. Um, And I wonder if if that's part of it. You know, how will it be offered as a sol- as a solution, by showing the problems of the leadership,
1: you know, and, and that's,
2: mean, it's relent it's relentless now.
1: You and know? that's as the uh, as the as the saying goes, you know, the popular and the conspiracy threads is problem reaction solution. Create a problem or expose yeah. a problem, and now we're going to give yeah. you the solution we want because it's all part of the plan. I, I I'm with you. I I completely yeah. agree. Um, and it's a scary thing yeah. to ponder. We are, uh, we're, we're coming up on the end of our time, Ed. Um, you know, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with, uh, with our listeners out there?
2: I, w- I would. Um, one of the other things that I'm doing is I, like, uh, do, I started a series of interviewing artists and creative people, mm-hmm. and I'm, in, I'm interested in their creative process, how their minds work, and uh, basically, how these creative impulses are are making their way through them and into some medium of some kind. It's just like remote viewing. It's right. the same thing. Right. And I had this conversation with this fellow who is uh, has an extremely complex mind, and he's a an engineer and a designer. And he has a a comprehension of geometry. And architecture that is, uh, it's like he was part of like an ancient order or something like that, yeah. that uh, has come back in at, at this time. And, I, and it, that'll be coming up. That it was a very interesting talk mm-hmm. that I had and I was compelled to ask him uh, certain questions like, uh, does he feel he was born at the right time?
0: Yeah.
2: And he feels that he was born at the right time um, because the 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 architecture and the design of civilization, uh, there is a movement towards uh, designing architecture to stimulate creativity yeah. and Renaissance-type uh, experiences in in the human population. So I don't want to go away from this conversation uh, with it's doom and gloom and oh, right. holy shit. It's terrible. I, I, believe that, um, we are at, uh, a shift of the ages, so to speak. And we are moving, uh, kicking and screaming, um, through a destructive phase and into a creative one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I believe we will, we will see that in our lifetime. And, um, So I I don't want to seem hopeless or anything like that or come across as as that.
1: And thank you for giving that disclaimer. I try to stay grounded with that as well. I mean, I think it's good to talk about this doom and gloom stuff, to be aware of it and say, hey, this might be out there, but let's recognize our true potential here. I mean, the, you know, the remote viewing that you're doing and the data that we're able to collect and, and where we can go from there, I think that's a beautiful thing and th- I'm fascinated by this engineer story. I can't wait to hear this come out as well. Yeah. We have so much potential. Yeah. It's when that fear is crammed down our throats that we become paralyzed and that's that's the roadblock. That's if right. we can push past that fear, we can have a wonderful experience in even the most uh, traumatic or scary times that may be in front of us. I, I completely agree. Right. So, um, yeah. you know, the best way to contact you or to, to see your work it just you said to, to search Edward Riordan R I O R D A N on uh, the YouTube channel.
2: Yep, yeah, Edward Riordan. Uh, I'm just look on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine. And yeah, uh, yeah that's that's uh, that's great right there.
1: Okay, and I'll have the links to that in. Uh, it'll go out in our, the seeker newsletter this week, and it'll be on. Uh, our social media feeds as well and at sixcentsmedia.net in, uh, in the show notes. So, Edward, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Again, please stay on the line for a minute as we close out the show. Um, but thank you so much for, for being on the show, my friend. And, and you have an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back on to cover anything, uh, I'd love to have you on.
2: Uh, great, man. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me on your show. And it was really a, a great pleasure uh, to
1: speak with you. Thank you, Edward. Appreciate it. And there you have it, my friends. Um, I'm almost speechless after that, and I need to sit and process what just happened, what we talked about on that interview, the power behind that discussion that we just shared. Um, so many synchronicities for me. I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to go back and edit certain parts out because it, just, it was just so powerful and, and personal to me but also important I think to everyone out there listening to this show um, Edward is, is such an, an incredible guy and, and I'm so thankful that he came on the show and I love the fact that he concluded his his statements the way he did um, because you know me I, I always try not to spread the fear and scare people um, and try to find a way to bring it back and focus on that positive and on that potential I think it's important to delve into the scary stuff sometimes. I know I've been doing that more frequently than I'd like to lately, but I think it's, it's a thread that's important to understand what's out there because then you can prepare for it. Instead of sticking our heads in the sand, and I'm not saying that you do that, but instead of sticking our heads in the sand and just bracing for impact, we can look ahead and say, here's what's coming. Here's how we can change course. And here's the tools that we can use to deal with these problems that are coming our way. And I'm thankful that he, that he shared that. Um, at, at the end, that there is so much potential, and, and he, he's living proof of that as well. Um, so it was a great show, and if you're, if this is your first time listening and any of the things we talked about piqued your interest, please, we're out there on, uh, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on uh, Google Play. Um, you know, there's an archive, I think this is episode 161, delving into and really breaking down a lot of this Content talking about the AI, how it connects to uh, possibly the Gnostics, what impact it has on our reality. What is this possible matrix we're existing within? Uh, so many different threads that I that we go on, um, and it just all connects. So please check it out. And if you and I got to give the the request, if you see it on social media, if you see it on YouTube, please you know like, comment, subscribe. We're a very small operation at this point, so any help we can get, that really helps with the algorithms, with giving us that exposure. If you're on iTunes listening, please give it a rating. If you're on SoundCloud, give it a, a heart or a like, whatever you have to do. Please interact with wherever you see the content. That helps so much in, in getting other people involved and getting other people to see this content that's out there. Uh, you know, and, and lastly, check out um, you know, my free ebook. It's my first in this series on some of these topics, exploring human spirituality. I am human, and we are not who we think we are. It's a free ebook that I have available at slash I am human. Please check it out. Put in your email address. I promise not to spam you. You'll get the free seeker newsletter every single week, sharing the latest podcasts and other goodies that we have at Sixth Sense Media. Some of the content from author Ray Davis will be in there as well. Uh, lots of good stuff. I'd love to connect and stay in touch with you. I'm exhausted, my friends. We're out of time. This has been a long show, but well worth the time, I believe. That's it. Check us out, sixcentsmedia.net, facebook.com, slash the six Media. Find me on Instagram, author Dennis Nappy II, and on Twitter at six underscore cents underscore media. This has been another episode of The Seeker Podcast. Where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world, I encourage you to be that change, never stop questioning, and keep an open mind. Thank you. <laughs>